the future of photography. Hey and welcome to the place where we check out new technologies that might help us become better photographers. Let's see for this episode of TFOP, the future of photography. Um, my name is Chris. Hey, and I'm Aid. Nice to speak to you, everybody. Yeah, we have... Uh, yeah, we have another of these topics. I brought another of these topics that is more about uh, some some research that is going on right now but that might change a few things are you going to drop some science on us is that what we're going to is that what you're going to do here no i i won't go, i will i promise i won't use any any formulas and any tables and stuff so I, I, I like the science conversations though <laughs> so have you ever had the need to increase the resolution of a photo have I ever? Well, yeah. I mean, for, for printing, possibly, uh, or, or even where it's just, uh, you know, I, the, the really interesting bit is is quite a tight crop mm -hmm. uh, and therefore doesn't you know, show well on larger screens. Yeah, absolutely. Remember, I have. remember the, the, the Blade Runner scene with the, the enhancement of the photo or pretty much <laughs> pretty much any movie that is kind of science fiction-y where they have a photo and then they go, um, move the camera to the left, all in post, of course, move the camera to the left and zoom in and enhance resolution. Enhance, that's the word yes enhance, so the yeah. photo enhancements um have always been kind of a dream for people and yes you might want to do a bigger print or you have a bad scan or you, you just have that small picture from the web and you need to use it in a context where you need more resolution and the task is uh up resing up up sampling those pictures and of course whoever tried this you will end up with some artifacts in it because what happens if you try to make four pixels out of one you can't really right you cannot invent new information so you end up with i don't know soft edges you have a loss in, loss in texture no detail in a photo and uh, for those of you who have uh, have some some exposure to photoshop and other other software you might have seen a words like bicubic or there's a Glasner or Langsauce algorithm. So lots of different algorithms that try <laughs> to be good smart. Names. Yeah, they, they try to be smart about uh, the, the ma making this picture look good when upsampled. And I tell you what I have seen as well is there's lots of uh, lots of help videos on YouTube because there's a lot of. Uh, there's a lot of people who think that they've got the the steps nailed. You know, first of all, you 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 double it in size, then double it again, then double it again. You don't do it all in one hit, or or, or whatever. And then it you is. apply but some sharpening because you lose sharpness, and then you have some whatever at edge detection and so on. There, there's a lots of different ways to do this, and that might work with some pictures, like geometric forms and things um, that are kind of straight lines but then with photos you just often you end up with a very unnatural look you, you just lose detail and if you have ever upresed a photo with lots of detail let's say a brick wall or feathers in a bird or something then all these steps will not create new detail they will just create the perception of sharpness but it's not real sharpness and detail is missing and there've over time been other algorithms that try to be a bit smarter that might take some clues from surrounding information. So they look in the photo and they look in areas adjacent to where you want to increase the resolution and 
Um, there, there are some fractal algorithms, some wavelet algorithms, and really amazing stuff. But a few years ago, I've done a test, especially on these kind of uh, software packages that you could buy or plugins that you could buy, and they were all limited in their use. Now, <laughs> no, we, I can't. I can't believe that at all. <laughs> now we enter. Now we enter the sciency part. Um, okay, I which, like a bit of science. Which is, uh, which of course has to do with machine learning, with which has to do with neural nets, with, uh, yeah, we've talked about this, with computation pretty much. And there's a development by the Max Planck Institute for Intelligent Systems in Tübingen, Germany, which happens to, which happens to be the place that I lived for 10 years of my life. And um, they have uh, developed algorithms or machine learning networks that they call Enhanced Net, which is perfect for a science fiction movie. Let's use Enhanced Net to bring out the details. Yeah, there's so, definitely a Blade Runner sound to that. It does, yeah. doesn't it? Doesn't it? <laughs> Enhanced Net. Um, and the algorithm, the specific algorithm, is called Enhanced Net PAT, P-A-T, or they shorten it to Enet PAT, but I think Enhanced Net sounds much more beefy. And uh, if you if you open the link that I put in there, you will see some photos that... Um, that compare the capabilities of these different algorithms. Now, what EnhanceNet does is it takes a single image and it ups the resolution through automated texture synthesis. Automated texture, texture synthesis. synthesis. So okay. what it does is it it increases the resolution by synthesizing details. It synthetically creates detail. And um, that is mind-blowing, but also very, very interesting. So um, if you scroll down, look at the zebra. There's a comparison of 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 12 different algorithms. So this those, is the link in our show notes that uh, links to the, the work itself. Yes, that's the link in the show notes. And in the zebra, you can see this pretty clearly. The last picture in the row, that's what they call the ground truth. That's the original photo. And to test the algorithm, they took this, they lowered it in resolution, and then fed it into multiple algorithms uh, to upres it again to the original resolution. And you can see the different um, results are kind of, yeah, hit and miss. But most of them are, uh, yeah, most of them are, are smudgy let's smudgy, let's, be, let, let's blocky, not be nasty most, most have, of them are smudgy they have aliasing <laughs> they've like moray kind of stuff in there sharp edges but not much i love the fact that there. you mentioned moray on the picture of a zebra <laughs> oh <laughs> okay now now look at the they're last supposed to have lines on it like that's the stripes on the animal <laughs> now look at the last two images the last one is the ground truth and i want you to especially look at the pattern under the ear. The pattern under the ear. Oh, right. Okay. Are these? And then compare yeah. that with the one uh, one to the left, the Enet pad, the, the the algorithm that also has a pattern under the ear, but it's different. It's different. It is different, but I mean, it, it's. But it is a believable pattern. It is a zebra pattern. It fits it there. You couldn't tell if you just looked at it without the ground truth, without the original photo next to it, you couldn't necessarily tell that the pattern wouldn't be different. So what they've done is what 
the thing you do in machine learning, they have um, they have trained a network by showing it pictures and uh, by showing it low resolution pictures and their high resolution versions. So they they told the network this is low res, this is high res, this is what low res looks like, this is what high res looks like of X Y Z things, and they have shown them like probably tens to hundreds of thousands of uh, compare comparisons between these two kind of things and and the network learned this and it translates into into the ability to fill in missing bits with what it thinks should be there it it's the, the word i i uh, i heard is it hallucinates things that aren't there <laughs> it's good word, a good use of the word hallucinate it it is there is a video that we're also uh, going to link in the show notes of a talk where one of the researchers uh, explains what it does and how it does it and also shows some of the failures because it's of course not perfect but um it pretty much is uh is astounding what it does and you can see examples on that page with a bird that that looks high resolution but then if you compare it with the ground truth the beak has a different pattern but it's still completely believable um with the, yeah the, it, it's 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 fascinating it is it's it's quite astonishing actually or quite. an eye of a bird that looks a bit more i'd say not not quite as round as it was before but still could definitely uh be taken for a high resolution image and, so, and more to the point if you weren't pointing out the small detail differences oh, you i wouldn't, probably you would never wouldn't know. have noticed right yeah because uh, that which it which is which is interesting so i have a, a quick question um uh, which uh i i think is is a link here so uh for remembering back some years and anyway for for, for quite some years now uh, our cameras have had the ability to uh set automatic exposure right right and that goes well i mean i guess that goes way back into to to the 70s but oh that that is but, metering metering and then adjusting shutter speed and uh, exposure time and and aperture and uh, in digital cameras iso yes yeah that's right but for the last uh, I don't know, 10 years or so. I think I haven't seen this for a while, but uh, certainly for the last 10 years, at least um, the, you know, some of the higher end cameras that you can buy today will say things like, well, you know, the automatic exposure calculation is enhanced by uh, a reference database in the camera of some 50,000 images. So it knows you're looking at a sunset or it knows you're looking at a portrait or something like that. Right. That's what they do these days. That's matrix metering or uh, evaluative metering where the, the scene is being evaluated or let's say it's being chopped into blocks and then these blocks are being fed into or compared to uh, database entries. And uh, it's a very, this, but this is not a neural net. This is pretty much uh, having a pattern and then comparing it to each of these 50,000 patterns in a little computer and going, oh, this is what it looks like. So it's probably a sunset and we probably need to change the exposure. So this is, this is, this uh, one is different a, a here. chunk more. You know, uh, so this, this is not an evolution here. This is a, a revolutionary technology. This is the machine learning applied to, to, that, uh, to that thing. And we will probably, maybe we're already seeing some of that even for exposure. But in this case, it will look at photos and... Um, 
and go back to what it's learned, but it's not a database it's looking at. It's a neural net that it's looking at. And the neural net will, well, for lack of a better word, will know what it should look like in higher resolution. Or it will hallucinate something. It will make or up it something. Will hallucinate. Well, it's, it's, it's interesting because certainly the results are very impressive, aren't they? <laughs> oh, they are. And, and uh, of course, at this point, we need uh, to ask our usual question. What could this mean for the future of photography? Ooh, I was wondering when you were getting around to that, hoping you would get around to it. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, better sharpening algorithms in your image, uh, in your image editor, if it's if it's one that you drive or that gets driven by some sort of an artificial intelligence, doesn't matter here. But um, so far, we had a sharpening algorithm that was just increasing the impression of sharpness, but not add detail. And in this case, it would add actual detail, even though it would net, wouldn't necessarily be the right detail, but it would be detail that fits there. Um, I can see this to work in autofill al algorithms. You know, these... Um, some like Photoshop and and Affinity Photo, for example, have these algorithms where you you clone out a lamp post in the picture or a street light in the picture, this, and yeah, it will and this fill the, the information that, in. This is the stuff they think they they tend to think of as as content aware. You know, where it's say, okay, so I'm gonna you want to get rid of a lamp post or a person right. in the background, and it looks around and says, okay, well, I understand what's around me, and I'm going to I'm going to fill in. And uh, synthesize the information that needs to go there or copy it from somewhere else in the picture. But this is probably taking this up a notch. Um, you might be able to even, uh, for a camera manufacturers, might even be able to use this to 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 reduce the cost of lenses, put put cheaper, not so sharp lenses in there, and use some software to increase the resolution artificially, possibly an economic incentive there <laughs> but of course this is all under this is all under the premise that you accept some level of fake information in the picture yeah right? there's that word fake a great well, word <laughs> not, not real information it's a made-up information that is believable but then we already do this to a certain extent if you look at a jpeg these days a jpeg is not the original information it has it's a jpeg is a is a photo on a diet they've taken out information uh, to the point where it still looks good but it has doesn't have all the information it's reduced so it uses our perception to um to allow us to see the full picture uh mp3s if you listen to mp3s or any compressed music and everything if you stream spotify that is compressed if you download something uh from from your music service of choice you will get this in a compressed version and yes you can get uncompressed but that's for the nerds, right? So <laughs> MP3 does similar things. MP3 reduces information so much to make it easy to go through through thin internet lines, but it will still uh, only give you a part of the information, but it will it's optimized psychoacoustically to sound good, to sound good to us. I like um, the word psychoacoustically. That's a great word. <laughs> that's the word that belongs here. Um <laughs> But of course, there there's a risk here that photos will be even less authentic. Well, that, so so they are. I think there is that risk because all of these things that you are describing here are lossy. Um, yeah. In this, yeah, they they are. You know, they the the assumption that we have, and you know, 
pretty much the reality that we live in at the moment is that they start off with a high quality thing and they throw some of the information away to save size usually and make things more readily transportable as you said mm-hmm. and doing that uh that but but then they reconstruct them in real time using algorithms oh, essentially I, I could imagine that to be for example let's say built into a web browser so in the future you instead of the jpeg you have or png you have a xyz format that uses very low resolution photos and then in the web browser you'd have a this this neural net the enhanced net algorithm that would add in or guess in the 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 detail and make those photos sharper again and this way you could maybe make web pages a tenth of the size that they're now that's just just a just a wild idea that i just had but yeah um, and which and, and which might make you know might seem to have very little uh utility to to those of us that are sitting on big fat fiber optic cables well but if but you're course, in the a, arctic and you get <laughs> a, get a modem size uh, chunk of the internet that is more difficult well absolutely yeah because web pages tend to be very large these days don't but they? then so. of course there's also a big danger here um that in 2015 there was what's what's now often called the xerox disaster which is i'll, I'll link a, a talk uh, a video to, of, of a talk here um it was a photocopier that changed Data in photocopies. Oh, that sounds like fun. What happened and there? <laughs> it was not intended to do so, but if you co- if you photocopied sheets with numbers on them, and those numbers would be at a certain size, and uh, the photocopier would replace some of those numbers with other numbers. And it had to do with optimization algorithms that try to do image recognition and then uh, replace the same things in the photo with the same things to, to save on data. A weird, weird kind of thing behind it, but um, it fell flat on its face because it changed information. And if that is information about, I don't know, about, let's say, medication for someone, uh, and you give them five instead of two tablets, then <laughs> that is a problem. So the, the, there's a danger in, in the... Uh, inherent uh, change of information there. So we have so we have a trust issue then, and possibly uh, that could lead to a trust issue. So anyway, so but, in in the future of photography, where everybody's going to be distrustful. <laughs> well, or yeah, may, maybe that is going to be one of the consequences. I don't know really, but it's uh, it's fun to speculate, isn't it? <laughs> it it is it is because yeah, you know, I'm trying to think where where this yeah because this could be important in. Uh, legal evidence in mm-hmm. in reporting the news, you know, documentary and journalistic um, I- imagery. Uh, I mean, we already hear most years at the moment some journalist having their some photojournalist having their award taken away from them because <laughs> it turns out that they did just a, t- a little bit too much photoshopping. Um, you know, that happens increasingly that happens um and uh but but when we have technology that's capable of inventing new stuff um that's that, that's another thing altogether isn't it okay i think we'll leave this as an exercise for the listeners back home to ponder about this maybe send us some information you can find us at the future of photography we have contact information on there as well and of course don't forget to let us know if you're interested in our 2018 
TFOP meetup in the UK. Um, we have a form where you can fill out some information about you and about your wishes and where we should do it and so on. Yeah, we're getting some great ideas on that coming through. It's, oh, yes. it's get, getting, me, getting me thinking, getting me thinking. Definitely. And of course, again, if you want to make a little difference and support us, there is a donation button on our website and in the show notes. And I think, yeah, we covered this. So thanks everyone for being here. We'll be back in a week with yet another interesting topic. Until then, take care. Goodbye. You've been listening to The Future of Photography, a production by Adrian Stock and Chris Marquardt. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your other podcasts. Find the show notes and more information at thefutureofphotography.com. Thank you.